two scoreline extra on this week's episode. You can hear from Tom Mullins on the recent Kilkenny and District League changes, Kilkenny's Mia Griffin on the upcoming Ross Namon, Clean and Niche on Carlos' season in ladies' Gaelic football, Joe Sheehan on all things going on in the Greyhound world, and the Kilkenny Intermediate's upcoming All Ireland final with the manager himself, John Scott. That seems as good a place to start as any. I'm here with Kilkenny Intermediate Manager John Scott ahead of Sunday week's All-Ireland Final against Antrim. John, how much are you looking forward to being in the All-Ireland now with this side uh, against Antrim in a little over a week? I'm not, not really looking forward to it now. Uh, we kind of said at the beginning of the year, we try and focus and we see how far we go. In, in behind, and I'm involved for probably the last four years. and I, In the back of my mind, I knew that there was at least getting to an All-Ireland Final with this team. So look, I'm delighted that we're there now at the moment. Yeah, obviously it's been such a jump since 2016, the last time you won it, you didn't go with a group since then in 17, 18 or 19, excluded from the championship last year. What, what have you brought to the panel, do you think, this year that's really provided that extra edge to go, obviously not all the way yet, but you know, to make it to an All-Ireland final is a hell of an achievement in itself. Yeah, I think that the girls worked hard this year, and believe it or not, I think the disappointment of being withdrawn from the championship last year kind of gave the girls a bit of an old edge saying that they wanted to kind of prove a point that they were talking about the second team but they're not, they're an intermediate Kilkenny team and they think that themselves that they just have to prove a point that they should, that they deserve to be there Yeah, a number of the players have actually spoken about being excluded from the championship but they use it as a motivational factor this year do you think almost in the long run this sounds a bit contradictory or a bit harsh on the players but being excluded from last year's championship has worked in your favour in the sense that we really have seen some fantastic performances throughout the year that have culminated in making an All-Ireland final now yeah, probably, it probably has worked yeah, in our favour. I suppose you shouldn't be really looking at the withdrawal as a motivation, but they did, and they actually, as well this year, although they kind of knuckled down as well at the beginning of the year, and they kind of said to themselves, look, we'll give it everything we can this year. And we've been floating as well between the two panels, and there's nine, ten, eleven girls there kind of on Brian's subs, panel bench and also look and they've been working more and it's just it's great it's great when you can actually work with the two panels together because they're getting the best of coaching as well between both panels so all I can do is stand to the girls yeah, and obviously a number of new players have been put into the panel this year, a lot of youngsters. Have they added kind of more competition to places? And that has seen a raise in the level of performance as well, along with other motivational factors like we were speaking about earlier. Yeah, it's great to have some of the younger girls coming along. And the structure actually on the Kilkenny underage is, is quite good. So we know that for the next few years that there is quite a good few Camogie girls coming through once they keep playing the camogie and don't get any injuries or anything of like that like but there is a good structure coming along and the girls that have come in are all good camogie players and they're putting some of the older girls um, you know, testing them as well in training and stuff like that which is very good like yeah, and obviously you mentioned that there's a lot of young players coming through. Under-16 All-Ireland finalists this year, minor All-Ireland finalists at the weekend, obviously in the intermediate Camogie final as well, and disappointing defeat last week for the seniors. How exciting a time is it to be involved in Kilkenny Camogie from an underage perspective and also obviously intermediate and senior also? Uh, it's, uh, it is great to be involved with the Kilkenny Camogie. Um, Brian and the senior team they were fierce and lucky. They just came up short last Sunday. Uh, it would have been great to have a full house in there uh, Sunday week. Um, but it is great. And look, there is a lot of girls coming through. 
and some of the younger girls that are coming through us, like to see the likes of Meg Farrell and all them like playing and Denise Call and they just they love they actually they, you know they're kind of like their idols and they want to get in there and play with them as well like you know so hopefully in the next few years that they will be there like. Yeah, and how have preparation been going with the side for, for Sunday week's All-Ireland final? Obviously, training would have intensified now. Competition place is very heavy throughout the year, but particularly for an All-Ireland final, everyone will try and get their shirt, be part of the panel, be part of the starting 15. Have you seen almost an increase in intensity uh, with the players that train this week so far, or has it been similar to uh, across the year? Uh, no, we, we we trained on you know just Tuesday night since Saturday, and no, we just played a match. We just did a few warm up and actually had a game 15 on 15. And you know, look, the intensity is there. They have to put the intensity in. We can't make the intensity. The managers they have to bring the intensity themselves in the game. And the girls know themselves like that during the non Iron final. Like they have to get that intensity in there, and they have to work and they're up up their work rate as well once they get to Crow Park. Like. And we spoke to you after the Mead victory at the weekend. You were absolutely ecstatic afterwards in Nolan Park. Uh, did that come from maybe that disappointing league defeat earlier in the quarterfinals, that last-minute goal that knocked you out of the league? Or was it just a case of we made an all-earned final and that's an incredible achievement? <laughs> you know, that there was a kind of a release of emotion there. Yeah, I'd say it was just, look, it was, uh, just getting to the All-Ireland final. Uh, I've been involved with the Intermediates for the last four years there, just with Anya Fatty as well. Like, and, uh, just the emotion, we, couldn't ch- we can change the quarter-final of the league. A bit of a motivation against me probably to meet him in the semi-final. But in the long run, it was actually the relief of getting to the All-Ireland final. That was, that was where the, the emotions came from. And just from an individual's perspective, I suppose you're the manager of a Kilkenny side in the All-Ireland final, which is just from a personal point of view must be something that you're really proud of. Uh, how much are you looking forward to being the manager of a team in an All-Ireland final on Sunday week? Oh, yeah, no, look, I feel I, absolutely brilliant now and in great form of overlay. Um, but in the end of the day, I'm only there. I only put the things in motion. The girls have to put there. They have to perform. Like they're the ones that are doing all the hard work. If you look, actually, if you if you hung around now for the next, we just stand on the side of the line and let the girls do all their, do the hard work out on the field. And but me personally, I would do anything like for these girls. They would. They deserve everything they get. Like you know, they actually are a great team. Yeah, and obviously you lost Antrim in the first day in the championship. It's come the whole way around now that you face them in all in final. Uh, do you think it is the two best sides in the intermediate Camogie Championship going up against each other? And how much of a, of a challenge will they pose uh, when you consider that they were the only team to defeat you in this year's championship? Yeah, look, Antrim, they're a super team at the moment. Um, they, and they actually got to the all Ireland final last year, down Betham in the, in the final, I think, by either one or two points. I think down actually nipped them in the Ulster Championship as well this year. Um, I thought Galway I thought Galway nearly could have nipped it in the end there last actually Sunday or last Saturday but look Antrim are a great team their, their work rate is very good as the day we played them they were outstanding I thought they're just their movement off the ball is very good they come from either one two three or four clubs only there's a lot of club players so they knew what they knew, actually know what one another is doing because they play together club wise as well like you know whereas with Kilkenny I think there's either nine or ten clubs involved well John Scott thanks very much and best of luck in Sunday week's All-Ireland final at Antrim thanks very much mate. thank you best of luck to John Scott and the intermediate team next up is Tom Mullins talking about the recent changes in the Kilkenny District League it is it's great to be back Shane uh, from today now we're back at full swing uh, 
with school boys. So they're all full, full program with school boys today. Uh, tomorrow we have uh, the league starting after we had the Padnar Shield course last weekend, but the leagues are starting proper tomorrow. And uh, next Saturday, the school guards will be back up and running. So after that, then we'll be back, hopefully, back to normal, Shane, and running uh, and all going well, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, we know that they, it was curtailed, I think, after we got to play two games last season because of COVID. But just to have the Cubs coming back, you know, we were speaking to John Corrigan after the uh, New Park and Evergreen final. And, you know, it was a true triumph to be able to get those Cup runs. We know in Carlo they kind of opted for a different thing as they went with a, a Shield format starting in August. And they didn't play off their Cup games, but they played the over 35s league. Um, but it was just an absolute triumph to be able to, to come back and play Cup football. And we were delighted ourselves to be able to get into a final and got that, that extra few games so you must be quite uh, happy with the way things went We were Shen, actually to the great success believe it or not running the Mara Shield and the Calvary Cup and the Divisional Cups because we only got a time frame of six weeks from FBI rules to run them all so we wouldn't have had a hope of running the leagues or the school by leagues because they're just too big in that short window so we decided in our wisdom to run the cup competitions and actually it turned out to be a great success we got almost 100% 99% turnout we got great um, feedback the, all the players were delighted to be back we got uh, great quality games got good finals and uh, it, it went very very well it was actually a great success I think the players were delighted to be back after such a long layoff. Oh, certainly. I can, I can attest to that from my players and meeting up with different managers over the past while uh, and speaking to different people. And we have people have been in contact about this, uh, an email that went out only the other day um, from yourself saying to all club secretaries, the Kilkenny and District League Management Committee have decided that any team who have tested positive for COVID-19 or have to isolate due to close contacts will have their fixtures called off and the result will be awarded to their opponent. And we were being contacted by a few various clubs and we've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter then uh, as of uh, Wednesday I believe it was the Ormond Villa and Evergreen game that uh, may have been a catalyst for this but can you explain the reason behind that decision? That's right Shane we discussed this long and, short, long and hard at our commission meeting last Wednesday night um, the reasons behind it is and I got uh, guidance from the FAI the Leinster Football and the School by Football on, the, on this matter Um we we have lost six teams this year uh, from last year. We have lost uh, four B teams and also East End and Balakala as uh, clubs uh, due to lack of playing numbers that these clubs have. And the re- the reason behind this is the change to the GA calendar year, um, where the GA club championships are only starting this weekend, as you know, at all levels, both uh, school boys under 13 and 15, a junior, intermediate and senior, they're all starting this weekend. Um, there is a big clash of, uh, with players, especially in the smaller clubs, that uh, they have uh, dual players. Um, we have a number of walkovers in the last couple of weeks. We had three last week and in the Marsh Shield, and we had, uh, of course, we had uh, the COVID incident as well. But we also have a number of uh, requests for postponements in the next couple of weeks uh, due to players not available to play because of the GAA. We also had two or three requests that clubs wouldn't be able to play any football at November, which is a total non-runner because starting in November we wouldn't have a hope 
of finishing any games. So we sat down, we looked at it long and hard. We got advice from the FAI and SNI. We didn't get, they, they haven't actually ruled on it, but they have a protocol that if a, if a club does apply for a free weekend or a, or a weekend off because of COVID or close contacts, that they will be granted that weekend, all right. They'll be granted that game off, but they will forfeit the fixtures. And the reason behind this is that we were afraid, Shane, that clubs are going to use this just to get games off at Nilly Willy, which uh, I do believe is happening around the country. And uh, the, G- the, the FAI and the SMI have a protocol that they will call off the match, and but they will award the fixture to the, the, the opposition. Now, that happened here two weeks ago with Carol Kilkenny FC under 14, where they had a, 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 a positive COVID and close contacts. They were down to play UCD. They did actually get the game called off. They did actually lose the, the three points. So we, in our wisdom, we feel that we're going to go down that road as well, just to stop uh, uh, teams and clubs looking for free weekends uh, and, and using COVID as an excuse, uh, because we feel it is going to happen. Now, I know we had one incident last Sunday, and we know it was a very genuine incident, uh, but Clubs still can play if they have enough players and they're not close contacts uh, to a positive. They still can play, and most clubs will have enough enough players. It's just where you have it, the smaller one-team clubs are going to be caught, like we had the situation with Aaron Villa last week, last week whereas they have only one team and they have no underage to back up, no under-19 or no youths or no B-team to back it up. And that's where they were caught. They hadn't enough players but it's that's only going to be very rare that's going to happen Shane, because most most teams have enough players uh registered uh nearly 90 percent of clubs have enough players registered to play uh to play a game anyway even if they are missing a couple of players so it's not going to really affect uh too many teams but that's actually our thinking and the reason behind it Shane, is to stop uh, uh, uh clubs looking for free weekends because they have players, no matter what they'll be at, they'll be GA or they'll have gone away for weekends or stag parties or that, and using COVID as an excuse, and knowing that they're going to get the, the game called off just for just by making the phone call. And the other thing to do, Shane, is we have to look at that we as a league, and we cannot look for proof of any individual that they are close contacts or, or they have a, a COVID positive, because the law doesn't allow that. It's a personal their own personal business and I can't ask any any club or any player or any individual to know are the vaccinators are they are the close contacts or are they have the COVID it's just against the law and I can't do that so clubs are asking me why don't you look for the proof I can't the law doesn't allow it so we're, we're, our hands are tied that way and I've looked into that as well Shane yeah, certainly. Like it, it is a hard balancing act. It was something that when we were speaking to the various clubs, they they did understand that there is that kind of aspect of people using that as an excuse. Um, but another thing is then, is it on your conscience that teams might just actually risk? Um, uh, possibly not telling uh, the the KDL, and I know that you wouldn't be liable for that because you you're not. Uh, it's not within your jurisdiction. But is that a concern at all? It is a concern, Shane. There's no doubt about it. It is a concern. But it would be totally irresponsible of the club to do that on their own behalf and put their own and their opposition players 
and referees and whoever else will be there in the, in that position in danger. It'd be totally irresponsible to do that. And like you know, I, my feeling like I don't think a club would do that. They, they, I don't think they would uh, be go down that that road. Uh, as I say, most most clubs have enough players to fulfil the fixtures. It could be very very odd 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 odd. Uh, Teams that don't have. I know there was a situation in another club. I can't mention the club or the player or the individual now last week as well that had a COVID positive, but that person wasn't a close contact to any close contact to anybody, and that team was able to play and and everything was above board there, and they played without him, and they notified that player that he's not to return, attend any training or any 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 functions and parts of the club until he gets the all clear, and that club done the the proper does it the proper way. You know, and I would, I'd hope that most clubs, all clubs, would would adhere to that and go and and, and do to, be responsible about it, Shane, and 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 that. But the reason, as you can see, that we are in a in a situation now this year with the change of calendar to the GAA fixtures, and most most small clubs have dual players. That there is a big issue here uh, with, with numbers and with with uh, players. Uh, clubs don't like playing without their better players. On a day, and they'll do their utmost to try and have the rest team on the field and uh, and 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 get matches called off until they have their best team. And uh, unfortunately, we're not in the position at the moment to do that because we just don't have the time or the space in the year to do it. Like we start in first of September, end of August, and our season will go right through to June. And to be flat out, and we have to allow for a couple of bad weekends through to weather or whatever, and pitches unplayable. And at the at the end of the season, we're always trying to under pressure to finish it out. So we we our hands are tied too, you know. And also, the national cup competitions are starting next week. Kennedy Cup and the Gainer Cup, they're all starting next week, and all the, all the all the all these players will have to be. Uh, you know the the trials have to be done now. We're starting that this week. We have Pascal Bergen is on the, over the Kennedy Cup. He has a bit of work done on that too. And Fran Egan over the Gainer Cup, uh, but they they're 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 behind as well because of the COVID, because of GA and stuff. You know, Pascal was down to play Sligo Sligo Leitrim in the Kennedy Cup at home next. Saturday, but due to GA, we had to call. We we had, we had to ask us to sign for Leitrim. We had to put it back for two weeks. Luckily enough, they agreed to to do it. So, you know, it, it, it's that's all level shaded. This is a, an issue. So, it's a problem that I don't know what the answer is to it. But as, as you can see, we're losing clubs and losing teams over it. So, we have to try and keep it going the best we can. Yeah, and it's important to note, uh, according to the HSE website as well, if you're a close contact, fully vaccinated and do not have symptoms of COVID-19, you may not need to restrict your movements or get a test. Uh, a contact tracer will tell you what you should do uh, when they when they phone you. So, like, I, I, I can understand it's a, it's a it's a thankless position almost as well because you're going to have things on both sides um in terms of uh, another thankless uh, position that you may have found yourself in is the likes of new park being put into the premier division and st Candice has been moving to division two um we know that St. Canis right. have strengthened themselves quite quite a lot, and we know that New Park themselves have always been strong. Uh, is that just the reason behind it that you deemed them too strong uh, for their? I know the reason behind it, Shane, is we have, as I said, lost six teams, so we had to balance out the leagues and have them as, as, as balanced as we like and we can. So we have four leagues, and we have three with eight teams and one with seventeen. 
teams yeah. in it. So basically, we had lo- we had lost two teams out of Division One. Um, uh, we had lost uh, East End; uh, they're gone, and uh, we actually lost uh, Evergreen B. Uh, so we had to look at bringing one team up to the up to the Premier to balance that out. Now we looked at it: New Park probably are the strongest team, were the strongest team in Division One, and as I say, only for COVID lockdown, they'd probably be in the Premier Division anyway this year. You know, yeah. if the league had to go, they probably would have won it because the were by far the strongest team in that division that have a few new players signed as well so they were the obvious ones to move up to the Premier Division to replace new, uh, Freebooters B who who, who were uh, pulled out due to lack of numbers so we, we had to get someone to go into Division uh, you know, we looked at someone going into Division 1 but uh, there wasn't anyone in a position or strong enough to be promoted from 2 to 1 so we left that at the 7 teams so we looked at the second division then, and with the we're short the team there, and with the panel that St. Canis's have, and the number of players that signed this season, and the strength of that team, we felt that they were actually too strong for that third division anyway. Regardless, that it would be a very lopsided league because they have a lot of ex-premier and they have even one or two league world players signed. So we asked them and. Eddie Clifford was very willing like to, to facilitate and go up to Division 2. So that was the, the thinking behind it, uh, just to balance out the, the leagues and give everyone an equal amount of games as, as best we can and have the leagues as even as we can within reason. That's our thinking behind that, Shane. I say, Eddie wouldn't mind being put into the Premier now as well uh, with, with New Park, <laughs> if, <laughs> if you think I'd so. Say, yeah, I'd say Eddie's going that road now, you know, he's uh, building a very strong squad there, um, fair play to him, like, you know, they're putting in a great effort, and uh, I, I admire him for what he's doing, um, he, and he's doing everything by the book, you know, so, and uh, it's great to see a, a club only after coming into the league two or three years to be so progressive and get such uh, good numbers of players playing and good quality of players as well which is great because generally when this club starts off it takes a lot of years as I know myself yeah. I was with Fort Rangers for over 20 years 25 years before we reached the Premier Division you know so it's, 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 it's not done overnight a thing like that you know um, is there a concern then when because when Newpark came into the league uh, they were put in Division 2 I think Henry O'Neill scored 53 goals that season he was on the Oscar trainer team and they won the, the league and they won the cup and then it was the same with Freebooters they were a Leinster winning side that came into Division 2 uh, last season and they won the, the only accolade available to them they won the cup w- would you correlate maybe the drop off in some teams not coming back and maybe not having an interest because this has happened and maybe St. Canis is it could happen again this season um, I don't. I don't believe it's because the one team is too strong or that that you don't uh, teams not come back. I, I I believe players love playing, regardless. I believe they want to play no matter what level they play at. You know, and if if a, if a club is not good enough or our team is not good enough for certain uh, second uh, divisions, we definitely will look at that, and we we have done in the past. You know, we have drop teams down the division at their request in the past as well as well as bringing them up you know that they felt they weren't strong enough for a certain, a certain division when they had lost players and we have done that on a few occasions as well so that that actually works works both ways but I think the big problem is the the, the, the GA the, the 
change of calendar into GA season has hit our league uh, big time, hit the, the playing numbers because uh, a lot of GA clubs don't allow uh, players to play soccer until after the GA season is over and that won't finish this year until November so you know a lot of smaller I know it affected East End big time Ballacolla were the same we lost those two clubs over that I know Clover United are in bother up in uh, Ratdowney over it as well because Ratdowney Earls are very strong in the GA and Clover have a lot of their players as well playing and that's why uh, Shane like, Keegan so is managing Ratdowney Earls as well I think or he's, he's on the yeah, side I so think, I, I think he is yeah, a big yeah, soccer yeah. man you know it'd be soccer man but I think he's involved in that but this is where they are you know they're, they're telling the players you don't play soccer and the hurling is over and you can work away then you know but um, this is how, this is where they're caught at like before, like they get away for a month or two to be over, and you know the 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 GH championship used to be over, and then September October, you know, you'd be gone well into the knockout stages at that stage anyway, and you'd have a lot of teams out of the competition, they'd be down to the quarter semi finals and that. So most clubs would have enough to keep going, but this year is different, you know, it's only starting now today, so uh, it's going to drag on for the next three months, and uh, and like. Uh, I know uh, teams are going to struggle and probably not be able to field teams and we could lose more teams over. But that's where we are at the moment. I don't know what the answer to that is, Shane. I really don't know. Um, uh, Our hands are really tied on this because we're tied for time as well in space. And and, and, and like we, it's not fair on, on other teams if a team can't play at November. It's not fair on the other teams who want to play either, you know. So we have to look at it every way and any way we can and try and balance it out the best we can and, and be fair to everyone as much as we can. That's where we are at the moment. Certainly. Look, and I don't want to keep you much longer because I'm aware that I'm after calling the man about soccer during the Ireland and Azerbaijan game as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, so I won't keep you much longer. Just, a, a, just another thing that was... Yeah, sorry. Just sorry. another thing that was brought up was in regards to the the five game rule. Two clubs mentioned it in particular about oh, yeah. uh, uh, B teams maybe fielding some A team players when the A team wasn't uh, uh, playing, particularly yeah. at the start of the season. So you might be coming yeah. up against different sides and teams might be playing, and obviously three points would be crucial. Is there any merit in in looking at that rule yeah. and maybe now, adjusting that? No, it's, it's a rule, Shane. I don't agree with myself. I never did. I always thought it was an unfair rule, but the reason that rule is there, Shane, is because Back in maybe 10 or 15 years ago, there was a motion put in to the AGM to bring in that rule. It used to be one time, two games, it went to three, and then there was a motion brought in for five. Now, it, it need, a motion at an AGM needs a two-thirds majority to be carried, and that was carried by a two-thirds majority at that AGM. Now, there was a counter motion brought in since then at AGMs, and were all just defeated. And uh, our hands are tied. Once once uh, a motion is carried as an AGM, it's written into the rule book and can't be changed until uh, an AGM or an EGM and a two-thirds majority to change a rule. And that's that's in our constitution. So that's the reason that rule is there, Shane. It's a rule I don't agree with. It's a rule I never did agree with. Uh, but, but it is there and just proposed by a club and seconded by a club and carried by two thirds of the of the clubs and it's still uh, still in existence and that's why it's there. Uh the the ruling is that a player can play five an eighteen team team can player can play five games a, a B team player oh, sorry an A team can play five games with the B team. 
or vice versa. But after the fifth game, if they play six, they're tied to that team in the season. Yeah, uh, It used to be up to Christmas, and then it was a free-for-all, but we brought it for the full season to stop that free-for-all, you know. We we brought in a counter-motion on that, but we are tied on that chance to try and explain why it's there, you know. No, that's fair enough. It, 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 like you've explained it perfectly well, and hopefully the people that were messaging in, their concerns are somewhat addressed. And like it's always worth noting as well that the KDL are generally accommodating when it comes to allowing teams some time off if given notice as well. Oh, absolutely. I, I just want to make that clear too, uh, Shane. That uh, any team, that uh, every team, every club, and every team are entitled to three free weekends in the season, up to the thirty first of March. But the ruling in the rule book is they must apply by in writing by email uh, eight days before they need the free weekend. They might have a, a wedding, they might have a spec party. That they're entitled to that. That ruling is there to allow that. You know, uh, even if they have a hurling match, it's still they can apply for that off uh, for eight days in writing to the league and, and they will they they're allowed three of them in the season up to the thirty first of March. And that 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 that, that ruling is there all along, you know. I don't know our all teams or new secretaries are aware of that, but it, that has always been there, you know. So um Thanks. the other thing uh, Yeah go ahead the other thing just a quick one there. If anybody is looking for uh, tickets for the Serbia game I have a number of tickets available for Tuesday night in the Aviva. Uh, if anyone is interested, give me a ring on 86 I have a number of tickets available for that game on, on, on uh, Tuesday night coming. But hopefully they'll be able to celebrate as well. Uh, it looks like it's still nil all in the Ireland-Azerbaijan game. Tom, thanks ever so much for uh, coming on and uh, discussing with it. I'm looking forward to getting out on the pitch and managing Castle Warren, hopefully, to a victory over River Rangers. But they're a tough side, as <laughs> best always. To, best to look on that. And thanks very much for giving me the opportunity to try and explain our thinking behind this decision. I know there was a lot of controversy over it uh, during the week, so I hope I try to explain it the best I can. <laughs> Tom Mullins there from Kilkenny and District League. Next up, it's Kilkenny's Mia Griffin on the upcoming Ross Naman. Oh, I'm so looking forward to it. Like, I think racing around home is is such a privilege and just something that doesn't happen very often. And, like, to be able to race an international race, like, on my home roads is really cool. Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, how important might your knowledge of Kilkenny be for the Ross Naman next week? I think it'll be really important. I think knowing the roads in cycling is is key, really. And, um, like, some of the climbs I know very well because I do them in training day in, day out. Um, and just knowing corners and knowing knowing the descents and stuff like that will will really be important. And, like, of course, the finish, one of the finishes is in Kilkenny City, one of them is in Pilltown. Actually, two of them are in Kilkenny City, and like, of course, I'll know, I'll know that very well. So, it will make a difference. Yeah, well, I know where all the hills are in Kilkenny because I generally try to avoid them when I'm out running. But uh, <laughs> there, there's a new stage uh, in Callan now as well. So, have you been used to that, or have you been out there before? Yeah, I'm. I'm hearing a lot about this stage. It apparently is a hard stage. Um, it's instead of Mount Leinster, which was normally the most challenging stage. So this stage in replacement for, of Mount Leinster is also 
going to be very challenging and very difficult. So I'm really looking forward to the challenge of that. Ed, it's like talking about challenging and difficult, like it's been a challenging year. I don't have to say why, but it's Ireland's first international cycling event since the thing that we won't name. But and one of the first international sports events of 2021, playing out over five days, over 100 riders representing 21 teams, 14 different nations coming to Kilkenny. It's the 15th edition in Kilkenny as well. Or, 15th edition and has made Kilkenny his home for the past five years I think as well so it's just a huge part of the cycling calendar yeah no it definitely is especially with with the men's race no longer no longer being a thing really it's the biggest it's the biggest race in Ireland on the calendar and like for a women's event to get that much scope is pretty incredible and for it to be in my home county then that's even that's even better really but yeah as as you said it is a it is a very important race and like the fact that they run an international race um for women here in Ireland is really good and it's going to bring a lot of, a lot of um development even from the younger girls to be able to race at that level in their country is a really a really big advantage going forward and speaking of really good, it must be a huge honour to be one of the five riders selected for Team Ireland. Well, is the aim coming in like what's the aim from an individual perspective then? Because you're, you know, you're coming in as somewhat of a collective representing Team Ireland, but there's obviously individual goals there. Yeah, there is individual goals. Like this will be my second time racing on the road for Ireland. Um, about a month ago now, I raced in France for Ireland for my first time on the road uh, normally I would ride on the track but on the road it's very different so like we have a team of five girls and each girl brings a bit of a different element to the team I would be more of a sprint sort of rider so I'd be looking at the stages that would be that would be flatter to do well um and I'll have a certain job, say, on the hillier days for the girls who are climbers, per se. Um, but also I'll be trying to do my best on those days as well. Uh, there's some girls that that will be good on the climbs. There's some girls who will be good in breakaways. So I think each girl has their own speci- will have their own specific job on each day. And um, our team manager will prescribe jobs for each of us um, in order for the team as a collective to get the best results as possible but also for us as individuals to get the most out of the race um, and I think for us as well it will be because it's five days long it's a, it just gives a lot of opportunities and a lot of yeah a lot of time to learn and a really good environment to learn as much as possible and to bring the racing that we do here international um yeah yeah because i was going to ask like there's a few different road race stages there's the time trial the circuit race and there's that, that that's three very different challenges and you know i was going to ask you what you consider uh, would be your best opportunity to perform strongly in, but you've kind of you, you know you've kind of touched upon that yourself um we're wishing you the best as a collective uh, looking back you know you're a member of the irish team that won the team pursuit title at the cycling nations cup in russia earlier this year you won a bronze in the individual pursuit how important will that form be heading into Rosnavon then? yeah I think I think it will be it's interesting in a way because 
there is a crossover between between track and road form, but um, the events I do on the track are very short. Like the team pursuit is over is over four four minutes and twenty seconds odd, and the te- and the individual pursuit is only three and a half minutes. Um, versus road races that are three hours long, so it's it is a different a different sort of a sort of a feel in some ways, but also like I'll be I'll be prepared for like high power um, bouts. So, yeah. Well, it's like the difference between a marathon and a sprint, lit- quite literally almost uh, in this case, is you were over there as well with teammates Kelly Murphy, Alice Sharp, Carlos, Lara Gillespie as well. So you must have had a great time, especially when considering the whole world is in somewhat of a, of, of a lockdown at that stage. But, you know, you're getting to go over, you're getting to represent the country. It must have been some buzz. Yeah, it definitely was. Like, even, yeah, going to Russia in general, it's... um. It's an unusual country to be able to visit, and actually, just we, we didn't see much of Russia now, but um, just the the bit of Saint Petersburg that we saw when we passed through the city, it was it was very cool. It was more European than I thought, um, and yeah, just as a team, we have a really good we have a really good team environment. We're all very good friends, and. I think that allowed us to race really well as a unit together. We wanted to do our goal going in really because we knew from the other nations that were there, we knew that our goal was to win. Um, so we put pressure on ourselves, just like really just on ourselves because we knew what we should do. And we had three rides that day. Um, and the team pursuit was our main goal. And um, we delivered. We delivered our three rides very well, and we were just looking for consistency because going forward, I think for the next cycle, we want to be able to hit hit it pretty hard and to know that we had those three consistent rides, um, and we got we we got it we got a very good time in the final. We were like happy happy with that for going forward. And and going forward, then is that the 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 team going forward so do you'll have a, a few years to uh, I wouldn't even say better getting the bronze but like you'll have a few years to continue it to progress yeah hopefully we haven't we haven't heard um so much right now uh a lot of things are up in the air um but hopefully going forward as a unit we'll be able to progress on what we've done um, there's a lot of strong girls as well in Ireland at the moment, so hopefully we'll be able to bring a few more girls in and out, and like the team will will continue to be pushed forward because in a team like that, you always need somebody external coming in to push you on, and like you know, younger girls coming up so that the standard continues to rise. Yeah, it's a, it sounds quite exciting as well. You must be excited now coming into this race, almost in the form of your life at the moment. Uh, do you feel like you're peaking at the right time? We discuss a lot with athletes, and especially during the stop-start nature of last year, that you know, you're know you training for something in particular, that thing gets cancelled. Uh, a human's body isn't a machine. You cannot just turn yeah. it on and off when you want because you're training to hit a peak at this time. Even from a hurling perspective, on our Clash Act podcast, we've looked at uh, the Wexford team maybe training for the league and peaking in the league and then 
dying out in the championship over the past while. Are you were like this particular race? Was this where you were looking to peak, or do you have something else in mind in the calendar over the next while? Um. So this is this was where it was quite complicated for me because basically I did a really good training block pre pre Russia for the track um, and was going quite well enough in Russia. I wasn't at my at my peak form to be honest. Um, then I came back to do two weeks of training in Mallorca pre um, the road race in France and I trained really a lot um was probably on my peak in france um and then i came home and i actually got covid oh, wow. so that set me back quite a lot and since then the past month i've just been trying to trying to train but also like it's been a roller coaster because there be there's been days where I don't have the energy to train. There have been days where I have okay energy. I maybe do a bit too much and then I'm set back the next day. So it's just been really learning how to deal with that and like learning how to deal with the way your body feels and just it's been it's been very hard to be patient to actually like listen to my body. Um, so being very honest, I don't know exactly where my form will be at so I'm hoping that as the stage race progresses that will get better and better but um yeah I've just had to be careful with my body um going into going into this stage race because obviously when I came back from France after being on a peak my immunity dipped and then that's when I got sick um so it just shows that as an athlete you can't you can't be on a peak for very long and as you say sometimes when you drop from that peak that's when you can be in a very vulnerable place so you have to be really careful yeah it was something that i looked at first like it's it the the covid thing like you know understandably still feeling the repercussions over and then putting your body through the immense strain that you're 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 continuing to do so um all for you know the striving for that one goal and we looked into that uh, a while back and we had a discussion in the office we had an article up on scoreline.ie about the athlete's life or uh, the life of a footballer or hurling where everything kind of real life struggles get put aside for the purposes of one singular thing and that's for almost winning and you kind of forget about the the repercussions from a physical sense from a mental sense as well because you could be battling with is my body feeling okay today is that just in my head that I mightn't be feeling okay today so to push yourself from that so hopefully like the it it starts getting a bit easier for you. You know, you're obviously quite uh, you're in the ascendancy at the moment, and hopefully it will continue to do so, and you'll be able to get a better understanding of when is the correct time to be continually pushing yourself and time to sit back and relax for yourself. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think people think that there's a magical formula that an athlete does as training, and I think eventually you realise that really just trying to be as consistent as possible is key and sometimes holding yourself back from doing too much can be more important than doing loads and putting yourself into a hole. Yeah, like even from a professional standpoint in in radio, I always kind of, or or video production that I do, I always looked at the, the... 
the rule of dissatisfaction is a symptom of ambition and it was a coal that fuels the fire and that got me to you know ended up having a career in radio but it also led down some very different kind of struggles as well and you kind of challenging your own convictions at, at the time but uh, like hopefully that's all I'm still <laughs> trying to figure it out. I, I'm sure that yeah. all athletes, all professional people, anybody in life is still trying to figure it out and still trying to find yeah. a way to, to to progress. But you look certainly to be uh, on this massive career trajectory, and hopefully, come Rossnamon, you'll be able to uh, represent Team Ireland with pride. No doubt that you're already representing Team Ireland with pride. You did so in Russia, and we wish you nothing but the best, me. And thanks for being so open with us. Thank you very much. wish Mia nothing but the best of luck. Someone who doesn't need any luck when it comes to her own personal accolades is Clean and Nishay after an outstanding season. Here she is. Yeah, no, obviously I'm absolutely thrilled with my own performances and getting the scores for the team, but like obviously we don't play um team sports get individual awards and I couldn't have done anything without my teammates like and they're passing me the ball to score and especially with, I take some of the frees and stuff like that. So definitely not um, all me <laughs> as it seems. But yeah, no, I am thrilled, obviously, to be so close to um, the top with just one weekend of football left. And it'll make Sunday a bit more interesting um, watching the matches, especially after being so disappointed not to be playing. Certainly, you'd be watching closely, I'd imagine, to the finals this Sunday, seeing if Wicklow's Marie Kelly or Sarah Dillon of Westmead will pip you to the goal in the boot. It will be a bit of a tall order, though, because Kelly needs, I think, about 12 points, and Dillon will have to score maybe 18. Ah, uh, yeah, sure. I'll be keeping an eye on it. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, she, uh, Marie Kelly, she's a brilliant player, so definitely wouldn't rule it out. She'd have scored 12 points um, in their final. And then Sarah Dillon from Westmead, I think, is about 18 points, which is a bit of a stretch, but sure. You never know what could happen in Croke Park. So I'll be watching it and make it all a bit more interesting. I certainly will. Uh, in terms, I know you're kind of uh, maybe being a bit modest, but like you are being factually correct as well. It is a team sport and you need the efforts of your teammates, but you also need to put in a lot of effort yourself to be able to get to that level. You mentioned the free kicks. Is, is there something that you brought to your own game to get to this new level this year? Or has it been practicing the free kicks? Uh, like what have were you setting out this season with uh, with something in on your mind in particular and that you were just going to be dogging in terms of getting to the the pinnacle of, of, of uh, what you would be able to do personally? Yeah, well, I think the whole squad has kind of, you know, stepped it up a level this year, um, especially with um, the management team and sponsorship and the county board and all. It's been brilliant. Like, um, we've got more environmental and IT Carlo and Chuck Dolman involved and just the the standard has improved and we're really just working hard. Uh, personally, yeah, I would practice my freeze a good bit, to be fair. But um, I just think like even the standard of training has just really, really improved and we've got some more girls in and it's just been, it's been really good. Yeah, do you feel like that now there's a solid foundation in place from this year that'll stand to the team now going forward? You're mentioning the management team and there's kind of like standards being set by getting to the semi-final. Yeah, definitely. We made great progress this year. We'll definitely stand to us for the next few years and hopefully we've inspired kind of younger girls to get involved with the county teams you know, hopefully it's the track players come in next year as well um, and hopefully keep a competitive squad because that's what drives even the 15 on the pitch or the 20 that get on the pitch like you need everybody at training driving each other on so hopefully we can keep going now
Yeah, and it's quite a young team though as well. Also, I know you're talking about maybe inspiring other people to get involved, but the team that in itself is quite young. Do you think like? probably a bit uh, of a silly question to ask because it probably answers itself but do you think that the more games the more experience and individual players get like you got this year the, the chance that they will be taking those steps to eventually become All-Ireland champs yeah absolutely we definitely have quite a young team and even you know losing out so closely to Antrim will definitely stand to us um, next year we're gaining so much experience every year it was it was great championship this year we played. We got to play like five competitive matches, um, which we can only learn from. So that'd be brilliant. We're quite a young team, but a lot of us have actually been together playing county football since we were about under 14. So we're getting used to each other and just getting a few more players in and definitely could be pushing for All-Ireland Junior in the next few years. Yeah, just unfortunate to go out to, to Antrim. I, like, how how did the team feel about that defeat? Like, a, a game, you scored a remarkable 3-5 out of Carlos 3-18, but, because it was a tight game throughout, but they, they just got the better of you in the end. Yeah, it was absolutely devastating, to be honest. Yeah, it was very, very tough. Um, it'll be hard to watch them now on Sunday, um, having been so close, but it was a great experience to play in a, an All-Ireland semi-final. Like, they don't come around very often, and I really think we did leave everything out there but uh, absolutely devastated after the game yeah okay, completely understandable I lost the final there myself obviously not at the grade that you are it was Division 2 soccer uh, not so long ago and I was on the management side of things but uh, it, it's devastating no matter, even just losing the game in, in general and you mentioned the five games that you got to play uh, you came away with uh, some positive results some negative results from that as well but how do you reflect on the championship as a whole looking back yeah, it was brilliant, yeah. Like, it was tough to... We, like, we didn't start brilliant. You know, we actually played Antrim in our first match and uh, lost that after extra time and then lost to Wicklow. But I think there was kind of... There was a 15 minutes in the Wicklow game where we really showed what we were made of. And that kind of turned the year for us. And then we were just... We, we won our next two games and, you know, got ourselves into an All-Ireland quarterfinal, which was brilliant. Um. It was a great championship and there's definitely so much to take from it. Um, obviously disappointed in the end not to be playing at Crow Park, but like we really put it up to everyone. Like even whoever wins on Sunday, um, we've given them a good game and we're definitely up there with the best. So a lot to build on. And in terms of building, you know, you're building a career for yourself. You're a student in Trinity also. You're the co-captain of the soccer team. Like, do you find it hard to juggle the academic and the sporting sides of your life? Or is it something now that maybe comes natural to you because of your love for sport? Yeah, I suppose I'd be fairly used to it by now, but they kind of complement each other. Like, I think when you have a set routine and you know what nights you have training and stuff like that, it's easier to fit your college work around it because you know when you can do it and you've got a certain amount of time to do it. Whereas, like, if you'd nothing, if you'd no training or anything, you could spend all day thinking about what you have to do later. So, I feel like sometimes they kind of complement each other like that. Yeah, because uh, a lot has been said over the past while, maybe of uh, like I, I I know myself from managing at a, a schoolboy level and a youth level that you know parents get very apprehensive about leaving their students having to kind of devote their time to to a sport while also studying but I was always of the opinion that it's such a good excuse to have a break away from the the books and not to say that you're going to neglect the books and focus everything on sport but like it's such a positive thing to kind of have a step aside and get you out of that mindset that you might be caught in yourself and kind of release some energy and release it in a positive way. Yeah, definitely. I personally wouldn't be able to um, take that kind of a break from it if I was just studying because 
I just think it's really good to clear the head and sometimes maybe you come back and are more able for some more work then after you've trained and stuff like that. So I would definitely encourage people to stay going with training during exams and stuff like that if they can. It's like if the, It depends on the person, but I would definitely find it beneficial. Yeah, it certainly is, in my opinion, anyway. But you're also representing your club, Benekerry, to Rhineland. It must give you immense pride, though, that you can represent your club on such a high stage with both Carlo and, it has to be said, in college as well. Yeah, Benekerry to Rhineland is such an amazing club for me. I've been playing with them since I was about 10 years of age, and it's just brilliant to be representing them. It makes me so proud. And even to play at the county alongside my club mates and everything, it's just always so proud to be a Benekerry to Rhineland player. And go, going back to the soccer side of things then, um, you know, there's some interchangeable aspects of football and soccer in, in certain respects. Is there a particular love that you would have for one sport or, or over the other? Or do, do they both get kind of equal attention? Uh, it, it depends, kind of. Uh, now in my life, I definitely would be a lot more integrated football um, than soccer. But it would depend depend on what's going on at what time as well would you be keeping up to date with say the the, the women's national league or or the women's national team yeah. of course with ireland to have some yeah, games coming up against yeah. georgia uh, this month yeah I'd, I'd watch i'd watch a good few of the women's national league games as well and um, i'd have a good few friends playing on different teams so i'd keep up to date with that um as well but i'd probably be more into the gaelic football and the moment, anyway. with, with the say from the soccer perspective you notice a lot more female voices talking in terms of panelists uh, you notice a lot more attention going to the, the female soccer side of things and then we obviously had the, the level of the playing field we've had the year of women in sport curtailed by the pandemic of 2020 uh, are, are, would it be noticed like that there is more attention on the sport does that bring even more added pressure or is it a welcome thing Oh, definitely a welcome thing. Like, all the information is so much more accessible nowadays. Now, that's got to be obviously the pandemic meant that everything had to be streamed and stuff like that. But there's just so many more ways of accessing information and much more publicity on everything. And it makes the players, I definitely think that it would make the players feel better. And um, it's good that more people are getting into it. Because it is good. It's good. But it was would have been hard to to kind of find the information like years ago but now there's you know everything on Twitter and they have a website for it and stuff like that so definitely would be welcomed by the players anyway yeah there's a huge push on it uh, look and hopefully you can push on next season get to the final end up winning the final we'd, be no, we'd love nothing more here on Scoreline to be able to see Carlo being represented at such a high stage so Kleena thanks ever so much for uh, taking the time out and talking to us we know you're quite busy with, with academic work and, and with your training as well so it's been a real pleasure talking to you and no doubt you're going to come away with that Golden Boot Award <laughs> thanks a million thanks, thanks a million for having me on thanks very much and finally here's Joe Sheehan on all things that is happening in the greyhound world tonight to be back all have such good banter on the show and uh, even though I've given dodgy tips and fairness your listeners they haven't been too harsh for me <laughs> not at all not at all look uh, we know that there's a busy schedule in the greyhound racing uh, or throughout Ireland uh, when we were talking to Kevin Hennessy we were talking about some of the stuff that was happening over in England as well but focusing on Ireland focusing on more local there's a lot happening at a local level in Kilkenny 
Yeah, Kilkenny track is absolutely hopping at the moment and it's great to see crowds are coming back back in, which is wonderful to see. And at the moment, we have the JAG Building Services and Kilkenny go by the A1 Derby. That's going on at the moment. The first round was last night. We had seven heats and local Kilkenny men, the trainer, Murty Lee, he had four winners out of, out of those seven, which was a fantastic, fantastic night for him. And I know the Leahy family, they have KCLR radio on 24-7 in their kennels for all their dogs are tuning in delighted to hear the results from their kennel last night. And we also have the Irish Greyhound Derby, which is on in Shelburne Park. The quarterfinals take place tonight, Shane. And there's an awful lot of Kilkenny Carrow interest in that. Five of the remaining 24 are from the Kilkenny Carrow area. So absolutely an awful lot to look forward to. Oh, wow. When you're talking about Kilkenny and Carlow interest in there, uh, you're talking about five in, in total. Is there any that you'd expect to come away as a winner? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of shop price dogs there. The likes of All About Ted. He's only 14 to 1. He's trained by Peter Cronin, of course, who was from Moonkine in County Kilkenny. He runs from trap six in the first quarter final. And in that same heat, we also have Jazz Toes, who runs for Peter Cronin from Moonkine as well. So he has two in the first quarter final. And Peter Cronin is a very, very shrewd trainer, All About Ted. He won over in Toaster this year in England on English Derby final night. He's a very, very classy animal. He's ran 15 times and won seven out of those 15 occasions. So he has a very, very, very good strike rate. And a lot of people would expect him to go very, very far. In the second quarter final, we have Gert Kelly Nestor. Now the competition I spoke about, which which occurred in Kilkenny last night, the Jag Building Services A1 Derby. He actually won that in Kilkenny last year. Now he goes on to take his place in the quarterfinal of the Derby. He, he won in 29.62 and 29.75, the opening rounds of the Derby. He runs for Andrew Murray, of course, who runs his grounds in Kilkenny. He goes in at a 33 to 1 shot, and a lot of people fancy to go a long way in this year's Derby. And Heat 4 is an absolute cracker, the final quarterfinal where we have, as you already mentioned, the Hennessy family with Priceless Jet, of course, Kevin, a regular contributor on the show, and Priceless Jet is a very, very classy animal for the Hennessy team. And, of course, Team Hennessy also train horses as well. They had a winner in the Cheltenham Festival this year with Heaven Help Us, so they know how to get an animal prepared. Priceless Jet has ran 32 times, 11 victories out of those 32 occasions. He's only a 20-to-1 shot. He won the Corn Crew Cullen, which... It's a massive, massive stairs competition in Shelburne, over 750 yards. The Derby's over 550 yards, but he's a very, very strong stair. He runs from trap six in the final quarter final. And in that heat as well, we also have Carrigeen North for Carlo Connections, owned by Miss Dara Patterson and trained by Thomas Buggy, a very, very shrewd operator from Carlo. He's only 33 to 1 to win the Derby this year. So very, very strong Kilkenny Carlo Connections in the Derby this year. And what is, the, is there four quarterfinals then in, in total? So you'd be looking at maybe a good few greyhounds going out uh, this evening. Yeah, exactly, Shane. So you have 24, you have four heats with six greyhounds in each heat. Three of them will go through to the quarter or to the semifinals next week. So then we'll be down to 12. So we're going to lose 12 and keep 12. So it's really cutthroat stuff tonight. You know, it's it's. It's a prize fund of 270000 this year's Boyle Sports Irish Greyhound Derby. It's massive, massive prize money. And to even be in the quarterfinal is a massive achievement for all those connections we've, we've mentioned there. It's €125,000 to the winner. And it's great to see from next Monday on the crowds that will be able to increase capacity as well. So it's fantastic to see more and more people getting back through the turnsides and onto the tracks as well. So you'll be looking at Derby glory for somebody on, come September 18th then and should be crowds there for that. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. The numbers keep going up. And it's, this year's derby is very, very wide open renewal. I mean, all the local Kilkenny, Carlo, dogs they've been talking about there, they have massive, massive chances. I mean, like the likes of Paul Hennessy there, now he really, really knows how to get his, his dogs ready in prices. Jet has a massive shout. And as we said, all about Ted for Peter Cronin of one kind, only 14 to 1. He won last week in 29.35, which is a very, very classy performance. So for, for local interest, it's, it's massive. And it's wonderful to see that it could be tuning in on channel 437 on Sky RGV TV will be showing the heats live so it's great for viewers at home who aren't able to make the races who are able to tune in on Sky Channel 437. I'm sure they're well accustomed to it now at this stage considering the year that we just have. Uh, just going back to Kilkenny um, just a bit where the Jack Building Services derby um, Dark Devil doing very well for Jim Langton setting a, a, a superb 28.91 um, in the opening round but uh, Mert Latty coming away with four out of the seven heat winners is is, is truly a, a, a huge accolade there. Four winners absolutely phenomenal but as you know the Latty family they're, they're passionate Greyhound family and of course it's a real family effort your dear right there and, and, all, and all the kids that they're very very good to to keep to keep the show on the road is and have to have four out of the seven winners was it's an absolute phenomenal night for the Lahey family of course as you said Dark Devil winning in twenty eight sixty one a really really good performance and this is a very it's, these races aren't easily won it's a very very high quality derby it's nine thousand euros to the winner which is a massive amount of money for for the lucky connections we also had um, some Hennessy runners in there last night as well with Hello Hammond winning his heat Bally Bock Daily won for Pat Carroll of Kilkenny as well, and Myrtle Leahy in, in quick time at 29.04. Very, very nice performance there. We also had Carl Remsbottom come down from Timahoe in County Beach with Len Johan. He won in 29.06. A very nice performance there as well. Another dog which really caught the eye was Another Dream, another greyhound trained by Myrtle Leahy to win in 28.95 as well. We'll go on to the quarterfinals, which take place next week as well, so a lot to look forward to. Both in Kilkenny and in Shelburne Park for Kilkenny Carol Connections, for sure. And I imagine then there's uh, also a lot to look forward to in regards to around the country of Ireland as well. Uh, we know that some trials were cancelled in Enniscorthy recently, unfortunately, but uh, like there's the calendar in, in Greyhound Racing is just always absolutely stacked. It's chocolate block, Shane. And it's, it, look, it's, it's fantastic. Me, as a Greyhound owner myself, it's, it's a pleasure to be able to go back into the track now and meet people because, uh, of course... In the aftermath of COVID, the numbers are increasing and more and more people are able to get in. We were able to keep racing going for the period of time during COVID, obviously with very strict restrictions, but now people are able to mix and have a drink at the bar and a bit of grub, and it's fantastic to go back in and, and meet people and all friends that you haven't seen in a long time. And as you say, the calendar is absolutely chock-a-block. We'll have the ledger coming up in Limerick in about six or seven weeks with the laurels coming up in Cork. You also have the nicest stars later on in the year. So this is where the cream of the crop begins to rise around this time of the year, derby time and in the aftermath. There's fantastic greyhounds on display. And it's, it's a wonderful time for greyhound racing at the moment. Dogs are um, it's, it's, they're making massive value at the moment, which is which is great to see. The breeders are being duly rewarded. And, and it's fantastic to see all the sponsors coming in, the likes of Jet, the Jag Building Services, as you said, owned by Mr. Gavin O'Mahony, who has a construction company over in London. He actually had a greyhound running last night's stories Matty who finished third trained by Martin Leahy as well another runner for the Leahy family and he progresses to next week's quarterfinals as well so another greyhound wonderful to see Shane yeah it certainly is so um, in terms of uh, people being able to get to the Kilkenny Greyhound track that'll be open up as of next week and we'll continue progressing with the numbers then yeah exactly and if anyone wants to go there you have racing on Wednesday and Friday nights and 
of course, the Wednesday, Wednesday and Friday night racing, fantastic action, particularly Friday night where you'll have the continuation of the Jag building services in Kilkenny Goba Derby. Fantastic action. And I'd encourage anyone, to, if you've never been to even Greyhound racing before, take a trip to the races, see see the dogs in action, see how well they look and how well they're cared for. It's brilliant to see. And uh, get on out there, have a drink and have a bit of grub. It's a fantastic stadium there, Kilkenny. Greyhounds are very, very well looked after and there's a fantastic team in place. You know, Tom Canan is the manager there. He runs a very, very good ship there. And I'd, I'd encourage anyone to get out, get out there if they have the time. And uh, will we be hearing your voice now on Talking Dogs later on? Um, tonight, I'm only doing the radios this weekend. Uh, Shane, Talking Dogs was on for the first couple of weeks of the derby. It's now on RGB TV. They have the platform on the Sky Channel 437. So they're based in the UK, but they're able to show the action live from Ireland. So Talking Dogs was for the first three weeks of the Derby and now it's gone to Sky Channel 47 I'm sure people are sick of hearing me at this stage so maybe it's a good thing they don't get to hear me anymore What was the Sky Channel once again? 437 And one And that scoreline extra you can tune into the show from 2 to 6 with myself and the angry young man Robbie Dowlin every Saturday and Sunday until then stay safe stay sane